The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. On that day, Jesus went out of the house and sat down by the sea. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat down, and the whole crowd stood along the shore. And he spoke to them at length in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell on the path, and birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground where it had little soil. It sprang up at once because the soil was not deep. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and it withered for lack of roots. Some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it. But some seed fell on rich soil and produced fruit a hundred or sixty or thirtyfold. Whoever has ears ought to hear. The disciples approached him and said, Why do you speak to them in parables? He said to them in reply, Because knowledge of the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven has been granted to you, but to them it has not been granted. To anyone who has, more will be given, and he will grow rich. From anyone who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because they look but do not see, and hear but do not listen or understand. Isaiah's prophecy is fulfilled in them, which says, You shall indeed hear but not understand. You shall indeed look but never see. Gross is the heart of this people. They will hardly hear with their ears. They have closed their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and be converted, and I heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. Amen, I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Hear then the parable of the sower. The seed sown on the path is the one who hears the word of the kingdom without understanding it, and the evil one comes and steals away what was sown in his heart. The seed sown on rocky ground is the one who hears the word and receives it at once with joy. But he has no root and lasts only for a time. When some tribulation or persecution comes because of the word, he immediately falls away. The seed sown among thorns is the one who hears the word, but then worldly anxiety and the lure of riches choke the word, and it bears no fruit. But the seed sown on rich soil is the one who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and yields a hundred or sixty or thirtyfold. The Gospel of the Lord. Today's gospel 
is in some senses pretty easy to interpret and then uh, in one section very difficult. It's easy on the one hand because Christ himself, of many of the parables that he, he speaks about in the gospel, he himself gave us the interpretation of his own words. So at least uh, with regards to the different seeds sown on the different parts of the path, we, we know what Christ is talking about. He's talking about, first of all, uh, the seed, as he said, sown on rocky ground. Um, the, the seed sown on the path is someone who hears the word, but he doesn't understand it. Right? And so the devil comes and snatches it away, and, and so on and so forth. You know, we can use Jesus' interpretation of his own parable to reflect on our own hearts. You know, if, if we don't understand the word, or whether we receive it with, with, with joy and we don't persevere, or whether um, you know, we're just so attracted by worldly things that we don't let the gospel to bear fruit in our heart, or are we the ones with the rich soil, the one who we actually let the word of God seep into our hearts day by day and really produce fruit. So we can do you know, our own reflections on that based on Christ's own word. I did want to spend uh, mainly the, the homily today speaking about the words that are kind of uh, hard to understand. And Jesus, as he says, the first part before we can actually bear fruit, before the word of God can bear fruit in our lives, we first have to understand what it means. Right? So he says, um, the seed sown on rich soils is the one who hears the word and understands it. Now, if you might have heard me over the years, I come for weekday masses while I'm in town, usually in July, and maybe four out of the four out of five times I'll say something about Pope Benedict, and so I'm going to do the same thing again. Because for me, he's always one who helps me to understand the Word of God better. So that, and then that's the first step. Of course, understanding is only the first step because then once we understand it, then the hard part comes. We actually have to live it. But he gives Pope Benedict XVI gives a great interpretation of this middle part of today's reading where it seems that Christ is kind of tricking us. Or, or that it seems as if the word of God is only meant to be understood by a, a select few. And that's obviously not what Christ wants. And we know that God wants all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth, as I believe St. Paul says. So the word of God is something that everyone should understand. But Christ gives kind of a uh, mysterious reply when they ask him, well, how did, what did that parable mean? He says, because knowledge of the mysteries of the kingdom has been granted to you, but to them it has not been granted. And then he talks about the prophet Isaiah who says, you shall hear but not understand, look but never see. So does God want to cause us misunderstanding and confusion in our lives? Of course not. So what is the true key to understanding this parable and any of the parables? Well, Pope Benedict says that first of all, you have to understand what Isaiah was going through, and then understand that Jesus, when he speaks these words and any words that he speaks in the Gospels, he knows his future. He knows what's going to happen to him. He knows he's on his way to Calvary. And if you look back through all the Old Testament, what is common to all the prophets? They were all persecuted. They were put there by God because the chosen people had strayed from the word of God. They had strayed from the living of the Ten Commandments. And the prophets were sent by God to remind the people, you are going astray. You're not following what, uh, what I revealed to you. And what did that cause in the lives of the prophets? It caused suffering and rejection and hardship. So it wasn't easy being a prophet. So when the apostles come to Jesus and ask him for interpretation, Jesus immediately goes to Isaiah the prophet. So if Isaiah the prophet was one of the ones in the long line who suffered, and then Jesus himself knew that his words were going to cause contradiction, 
then the key to the interpretive, interpretive key to all the parables is the cross, right? If we're living the cross, then we can certainly be sure that we're living the gospel, right? And I think all of us, especially in today's society, we can, in a certain sense, get overwhelmed by all the, the negative things. Or, I mean, just the morality of society in general, not only in the United States, but I guess worldwide, we could say, I mean, it's gone pretty, pretty bonkers, pretty crazy. I mean, just think of Charlie Gard when a government won't even, you know, give a family trouble just for trying to support the life of their own boy. I mean, that's a, a system of thought and of power that is contradicting the most fundamental aspect of our lives. So when we see these immense powers and kind of moral confusion and degradation, we can maybe be overwhelmed. But I think it's this type of gospel that helps us understand when we're living the cross, that's the most hopeful thing. When we live the cross, because that's what we're meant to do. If we weren't living our faith correctly, or if if our faith was always easy and we were always being accepted and always being supported and it was just a clear path of comfort and ease, then we have, we'd have to ask ourselves, are we really living the spirit of the gospel? So the very fact that we are contradicted when we live our faith gives us a sign. And if you remember another part of the gospel, John twelve twenty four, Jesus talks about another type of seed. He says, uh, unless a grain of wheat falls to the earth and dies... It remains just a grain of wheat. So if we want to produce fruit in our spiritual life, we have to die. We have to take up the cross. And that's really the, the key to, to this parable and to all the parables is the cross. Think about, put yourself in the apostle's shoes and, and try to go from, from this point where obviously Jesus is gaining a lot of popularity. There are huge crowds. He went out of the house by the sea because there are such large crowds that they didn't, didn't fit in the house. So he was very, very popular. But then, towards the end of Jesus' life, he died on a cross. So Jesus' message and his ministry wasn't just about nice, comfortable things, because nice, comfortable things don't put you on a cross. He was saying things that contradicted, that that challenged people. And because of that, he, he died, right? And so if you put yourself in the apostles' shoes, at this point, they were, I think they were probably excited and happy, and uh, you know, supported by all the different crowds. But then what happened when the cross came? They, they left, right? They failed Christ in that moment anyway. But Jesus said, um, Blessed are your eyes because you see. Um, people long to see what you see but did not see it, and to hear what you hear but did not hear it. Now, if the apostles had just listened to those words to the very end, they may perhaps not all of them would have run from the cross because they saw the miracles. They saw Jesus heal the blind, cure the sick, the lepers, all those different things, and they wanted to accept that part of it. But then what happened when the cross came? Well, then, just like all of us, we can t- tend to run from it. But that's really the secret. That's the key. That if we want to persevere in the spiritual life, we've got to take up the cross. And Jesus is the one who shows us that that's the very essence of producing fruit. And that's, I think, the, the key of today's gospel. So it's not as if Jesus, when he says that, um, you know, I say these things so that they look and see but don't understand or listen, really what it happens is we can intellectually understand it, but then when it really starts to get difficult for us, we falter. And that's where we need the grace of God because we can have it in our mind, but it's also got to be in our heart and it's got to change our lives. And I think ultimately that's what 
The problem is, is when it starts to affect me personally. Then, okay, Jesus, do you really want me to do this, right? When it affects me personally. And that's always the hardest part. But that's where faith, you just have to take, take a step in faith and say, okay, Lord, I don't necessarily feel that what I'm doing right now is right. Or I'm not supported by my friends. I'm not, but I'm still going to take that step to do what is right. I mean, a very uh, simple, probably not a nice example, but I remember, you know, a few of the moms I work up at a school in the Archdiocese of Detroit run by our order, and there are a few families. um, We have, I think, that number of uh, children per family is relatively high compared to the general population, but more than a couple times, you know, moms have come in to me, and when they they go, they have large families, they go into the supermarket, and they get snide remarks, like, are all those yours? You know, that type of things that you go into society and they're going to attack you for the most basic fundamental things like having a big family, right? But those are the moments where you have to double down and say, no, Christ, I know I'm doing your will. I'm not going to let what people say detract me from doing what's right and from taking up my cross and following you. And that's, I think, the real message of today's gospel is when it gets hard for me personally, then I make, a, make an act of faith in Christ and step out over the edge and say, okay, Lord, my life is yours. As I mentioned, I grew up here. Um, we went to Candler Swim Club there in West Raleigh. Uh, we had a membership every summer, and it was, we, I loved going. And they, one of the pools that was, of course, that we called it the diving pool. It had the, the lower, the, the one-meter board, the three-meter boards, and then it had the four platforms. And we always called the top platform the top. So the top was always the challenge. And uh, I don't know, maybe I was a little chicken, but it wasn't until I was 12 years old that I actually went up to the top. And I just remember there being a rule that once you step up, the first step, even to the, on, the, on your way to the first platform, the first, once you get up on the platforms, you can't come down. The only way down is to jump, right? And the lifeguards were always there to tell us, once you go up, you can't come down. You got to jump. I remember the first time I went, you know, you get, and, um, you know, the, the stairway to the first platform is to the second and the third. They're kind of normal stairways. But then you go from, when you go from the third to the top, it's straight up. So as soon as you get... You know, you look at that ladder, and then you look up, and there's clear blue sky. And I remember being, you know, I think it was, like I said, 12 years old. But there is that moment when you know you, you have to jump, or you just have to take that leap. And you know the water's there. Yeah, you can understand, okay, I don't think I'm going to die, but it's going to be hard. But i got to take the jump. I have to take the jump. And I think that's where our faith really, really meets reality. When we know everything that Christ is teaching us is true, we believe in the teaching of the church but ultimately, there's that moment of decision where we have to say, okay, I'm going to jump. And I'm going to entrust to you, Lord, my life. And I'm going to do everything according to your plan and your will. And that's where Christ saves us. Saves us through, of course, through the waters of baptism, through the waters of his grace, and through all the different trials in our life. Because we know that whenever Christ teaches us a difficult message, it's only because he lived it himself first. He would never ask us to do something that he himself didn't do. And, of course, he took the ultimate sacrifice in dying for us on the cross. And then, of course, as the most precious gift that he gives us is his own life here in the Eucharist. So when we hear the words of the gospel and we read it, and then when it starts to become personal for us, it compromises or it, doesn't, it commits me, makes me commit to him, well, we have to take that leap of faith. But always knowing that we're going to be landing in the secure arms of his love and of his grace. So let's continue to, when we hear the word of God, let it bear, bear fruit in our lives and know that nothing he asks us to do, as challenging as it might be, will ever overcome or be more forceful 
or, or somehow be more difficult than what his grace can provide for us. And so when we, we leave our, our souls in his care, we know that we will always, always, always be victorious in him. We turn to the great kindness of God the Father, asking him to answer us with his constant help, that the church may act as mediator in finding solutions to problems affecting peace, social harmony, and civil rights. Let us pray to the Lord. For an end to the culture of death, so that the dignity of every human person will be revered. Let us pray to the Lord. That God will bless and strengthen all families in faith, hope, and love. Let us pray to the Lord. That our parish community will be a vibrant community of prayer, evangelization, and charitable action. Let us pray to the Lord. That the Lord will be close to the poor, the sick, the dying, the lonely, the marginalized, the unemployed, the addicted, and the homeless. Let us pray to the Lord. For the grace this week to devote ourselves to the Word of God in its richness. Let us pray to the Lord. Loving Father, let us see your kindness and grant us your salvation. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. 